Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. It's the final installment of the Get Ready With Me series that I'm doing for Loki Season 2. We've been re-watching Loki Season 1. This is about Episodes 5 and 6, and it's time to dive into them, okay? So if you haven't listened to the first two episodes where I cover Episodes 1 through 4, go back, check those out. Don't worry, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, you got a little bit of time. Loki doesn't come out until Thursday, and it comes out at night. So you got some time to catch up on my episodes. You ain't got to watch all six episodes again. You can just listen to mine. I got three, plus in the the show notes, I'm linking out to all my original episodes that I did before we knew anything about Quantumania or all that kind of stuff. So you got a lot of good material to pick from before you go into season two of Loki. Before you get into this episode, drop down to the bottom of your screen or the top if you're on Spotify and leave me a five-star rating and review. You know, we love those. It's your new episode of Reality and Comics. Still, let's do it. That's right, you're listening to Reality and Comics 2, the podcast that discusses all things scripted and unscripted TV and film. I'm Kendrick, but most of you know me as your mama's favorite black geek. You want some hot takes about the Real Housewives or Love Island, or maybe you want some hilarious insight on the Marvel Cinematic Universe or HBO's White Lotus or Euphoria. Well, you're in the right place. Grab a cocktail, sit back, and prepare to cuss and fuss right along with me. If you are listening to this on the day it comes out, then it's Loki Eve. Hi, everybody. We have one more sleep and then, child, a whole work day until we get to the new season of Loki, okay? I've been hearing nothing but positive things. Now, I what is it, IGN? They weird with their ratings, so they one of the few people that I've said that they uh, didn't too much care for the, the first four episodes of Loki, but literally everyone else is raving about them, so hopefully they live up our expectations. But before I jump into Loki, we got some more superhero stuff that came out recently. Have y'all been watching a boy spinoff called Gen V on Amazon? I... I'm obsessed. I love it. I love it the same way I love the boys. It's, I like it because it feels like a spinoff. You can tell it's the same world, but the characters that they put in and putting it in a college setting, I don't know. It just makes it feel different. And the boys is so male focused, like the, the storytelling and everything that it's nice that there are, so many women characters on this show that actually like get to kind of carry it forward. I like it. So like our main character, black, beautiful girl, maybe biracial. I don't know, but I think she was in Sabrina on Netflix. I don't watch this shit. So I don't really know. But, and I think the main guy was on there too, maybe. So the chilling adventures of Sabrina, let me look and see. I think he was, yeah, he was on there too. Okay. So damn it. The whole cast Sabrina on her. So if you watch that show, then uh, happy for you. You can come over here and watch GNV with us. The main one, 
Her name is Marie Moreau, not to be confused with Marie Monroe from Bell Collective, okay, a.k.a. George Washington. Not to be confused with her, okay, we love us some Marie Monroe. I'm ready for the new season of the Bells to come on back because I love me some Marie Monroe. Uh, We've got Andre, who's like the, I think he's, uh, he controls, he's like Magneto. Like he controls metals and, you know, got strength, all that kind of stuff. And then we got Emma. She's another one of the main players. Emma is, I love Emma. I think Emma might be my favorite character on the show. She's one of like, she's kind of like Ant-Man, but in order for her to get small, she has to throw up, which is very, that's a, that's saying a lot right there about, you know, the beauty standards and all this kind of stuff, how much women got to go through to, you know, even, even just to like be a superhero, you got to go through all that. You got to purge and throw up and do all of this just to like use your superpower. Child, I, I love it all. It's, it's all so good. There are some of the nastiest scenes in this show. Some of the most, bl the bloodiest, most gratuitous, the grossest scenes, just like in the boys. And I love that they keep, they're keeping in theme with that. I wouldn't want it any other way. Okay. Um, I, there, <laughs> there's a scene. Okay. 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 There's a scene where Emma, who gets, they call her little cricket. So that's like her superhero name. Emma, she does these videos where like, you know, everyone knows her powers because she has like a good following on social media. She does these videos where she literally will shrink down and she wrestles hamsters. So she got like her own like uh, WWE ring. She wrestles with the damn hamsters. She got a costume and stuff, which are actually like just little Barbie clothes that she puts on. But she puts the little Barbie clothes on and she does her wrestling. She's got a following from that. And one of the guys, he like, I, I don't know if he asked to be her study partner or like what happened, but they were, went on a date, came back, we're about to hook up. And he said, I know this is kind of weird, but would you mind turning small? So she go to the bathroom, she throwing up, she want to get small. Child, he did all of this so he can lay on his back, be fully erect, and she can like, <laughs> not even ride it, but so she can like literally climb it like Mount Everest and he can feel bigger child this show is a mess okay all, i i like all the characters i like like where it's going we've gotten three episodes so far it it is it, it's, it's giving me what i needed to give me patrick schwarzenegger who y'all know that's arnold schwarzenegger and uh maria shriver that's their son he's the actor he was in the staircase on hbo that was a really good show i enjoyed that little limited series because if y'all y'all know me i love me some true crime so if you're obsessed with true crime like me go watch the well Watch the documentary first on Netflix and then go watch the limited series, like the actual TV show, the the drama, the, you know, scripted show. Watch that on HBO. It's real good. Okay. 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 He's on there. He plays a character called Golden Boy. And chat, well, I don't want to ruin the first episode for y'all, but, you know, we, <laughs> let me not ruin it for y'all, but he, he, like, he's like Human Torch, the Chris Evans character from Fantastic Four. He can, you know, set on fire and do all this kind of stuff. They always talk about how it burns his clothes off, so you see that long, like, pickle just swinging between his legs every time he's fighting somebody. The It's such a ridiculous show. Gen V is just as ignorant as <laughs> the boys. It's, it feels different, though, but I, I love the connectivity i just like it so if y'all you know need a a way to kind of hold over until loki gets here i'll be watching them both at the same time because loki is on thursday nights 
The Boys is Friday, so I'm going to be watching both of them. Super excited. Anyway, if y'all need something to get into, get into that. Three episodes are out right now. Amazon Prime, give me what I needed to give. Now, let's go ahead and get into these last two episodes of Loki before we finally, finally get the season two and get some more Kang, okay? We need some more Kang variants in the MCU to see where this thing is going, to see where the thing is thanging, okay? To see where the Johnson is swinging, okay? We're now in the part of the series where we really get to know about variants, okay? Now, remember... Episode four ended with a uh, post credit scene where Loki is pruned and he's sent to the void and standing over him was four of his variants. There was alligator Loki, there was kid Loki, there was classic Loki, and then there was a new kind of character that we know as boastful Loki, okay? That's the black one. Later, we meet the likes of President Loki, who was actually, you know, who most of us know from the comics, so good, good shit there. Uh, episode 5 kicks off in the TVA inside those golden doors with that fake ass, you know, timekeepers where they reside. This is where our big battle from episode 4 took place, but it quickly cuts from here and goes back inside the void where Loki is seeing his variants for the first time. They say, come on, before Elioth, who is my current least favorite card on Marvel Snap. Okay, let me stop and take a little break and tell y'all about that. Okay, so if you play Marvel Snap, I told y'all. It's the card game on the phone where all the superheroes had the different powers. You know, at different times, they, like, release new cards every, like, six weeks. And, like, Elias was a part of this big, like, Loki, like, series they did right before. Like, you know, leading up to the, the series premiere or whatever. I hate Elias because if you play him somewhere, he, he it destroys all the cards that you put right there. And it's it's all kind of dumb shit. It, it pisses me off so bad. But anyway, we'll we'll get to more about Elias later. They said, come on before Elias, eat that ass up. After the opening credits, Sylvie is torturing Ravonna Renslayer, asking her who is running the TVA. They're in the courtroom where Loki was first presented in front of the Judge Renslayer in episode one. And Sylvie remembers that it's a place where she was dragged through when she was stolen as a child. Ravana says, okay, wait, wait, wait. You know, Loki ain't even dead, girl. He alive, he alive. But Sylvie doesn't believe her. She still wants the answers. Ravana says, no, okay, I'll tell you all about the void because she wants answers too. She wants to know, like, you know, who's at the top of all this shit. Ravana explains the void and says that, it's impossible to destroy like an entire branch timeline. So they have to move it to a place on the timeline where it won't continue to grow. So the branch isn't actually reset at all. Like we learned like in episode two, we learned about those reset charges. It's actually transferred to the void at the end of time. They talk more about, you know, time stuff and lore and all that kind of shit before. Sylvie finally agrees to trust her and gives over the temp pad. Back in the void, all the Lokis are moving at a very fast pace across a huge empty space. And Loki, why am I always rhyming? I, I don't mean to ever. Loki is still like super frustrated and he's screaming and he's ranting about not knowing anything. What's going on? Yada, yada, yada. I want to know what's, what y'all won't tell me. What's happening? Child, kid Loki tells Loki about the void and how Elioth assures that nothing, nothing returns back to the timeline. They tell him that they're all Lokis that were captured by the TVA 2 and they were pruned and they wound up in the void because Lokis always survive. And that's it. That's the extent of their existence and their plan. Their plan is literally just keep moving and don't get killed by Elias. As they move on, Loki questions why Kid Loki is giving all the orders and classic Loki says, this is his kingdom. 
when Loki asked what his Nexus event was, listen, Kid Loki turned around, he pulled up and he said, I killed Thor. And I, oop! Y'all, let's stop for a moment and discuss variants. Now that we've gotten, you know, so much more context since Loki season one ended. So a variant, as we kind of know it, is a person who has somehow broken like their predetermined timeline of events or they veered off their chosen path, which Miss Minutes said in episode one. That's why the TVA usually shows up and resets a whole timeline. So let's think about this in terms of like Spider-Man No Way Home. So in that movie, technically Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker and Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, they're Spider-Man variants. They're from different realities other than the one we're currently in. Because remember, we're viewing uh, Tom Holland's reality. He's the Spider-Man. He's the Peter Parker there. So they the ones that came and fucked his shit up. So they're from a different reality other than one that they're currently in. And that's because Doctor Strange fucked up that spell that Peter Parker asked him to cast and kept changing and kept changing and kept changing to make everybody forget who he was. And it wound up bringing all of the super villains and everybody in their reality, bringing them there and brought the other Spider-Man as well. Thus variants in multiverse of madness. We didn't necessarily see variants because they were, they were in their appropriate timelines. We just saw, other versions of the same character so in these cases some characters look like ones that you know we're accustomed to like the doctor strange that was killed by the illuminati but some look entirely different just like the loki variants and when you think about this think about like captain marvel being monica rambeau instead of carol danvers in that universe speaking of most of madness though uh it also it's also impossible to note well, not impossible. It's also important to note that um, America Chavez does not have any variants because she doesn't dream. Remember, we learned a lot about uh, dream walking in that movie. Dreaming is when, like, you can see other variants and other realities. And since she doesn't dream at all, she knows that she's the only one out there of her. No variants, no nothing, which makes sense because she can open port. She can like open up portals to other realities. Okay, back on the beaten path. The Lokis make it back to the underground shelter that they've built. It's kind of a, a kingdom or a throne room for Kid Loki. I don't know. It, it's something. We cut back to the TVA, and Ravana is stalling for time by having Miss Minutes look up dumb stuff like in the archives and files. Sylvie shares a theory that how they're at the end of time and how they'll need to go through it to get them to the void. Miss Minutes sees Ravana is about to get slaughtered <laughs> and stalls by looking for what they call the Void spacecraft. Obviously, very made up. Sounds like a damn submersible, okay? And I don't know if you want to... If you can't get the submersible through water, I doubt you can get it through uh, a goddamn space. And yeah, you know what? Try it, okay? Sounds... I, I don't know. You listen. Did y'all know they're making a movie about the submersible? You know what? Let me stay on track because I was about to go into that. That shit. I'm going to watch it, but that's ridiculous. They stall for long enough for the hunters and the Minutemen to get there and Sylvie hides behind the judge bench. They banter back and forth and that's when Sylvie decides to prune herself and go into the void. Back in the underground throne room, the Lokis are lying about their stories and their Nexus events and all the kind of stuff being men. Chad, kid Loki tells classic Loki to tell everyone about his Nexus event. And Loki really wants to hear about it too and asks if he dies by the hand of Thanos. 
classic Loki, because remember, that's how our Loki died in the future. Not this one, though, but if he would have stayed on his path, that's how he would have died. This Loki still alive because, you know, he got the Tesseract in the Avengers movie when he wasn't supposed to, and he, you know, went off the beaten path. Classic Loki says that in his timeline, his whole life goes correctly instead until Thanos attacked his ship. He floated in space. He realized everywhere he went that the TVA was going to follow, pain followed, all that kind of stuff. And finally he found a planet and he stayed in solitude up until the TVA found him. He was about to leave because he missed Thor and then boom, caught. Uh, it's more world building, kind of showing how different the variants are. We just talked about how different variants can be. And this just kind of goes to show you the classic Loki directly from the comics too. his life would have been way different. Variants is kind of a funny thing because, you know, there are so many different comic storylines and different iterations of the characters. So it's almost like a different, you know, it might be the same world, but or what we, so we think it's the same world, but you know, it's all, it's, it's all different. Okay. And it all might be its only universe. It all might be a couple different things. So seeing variants on screen is, is, it's good for a comic book fan, okay? Loki is determined to leave the void and tells him that he wants to get Sylvie because he knows that she can help and she'll kill Elias and get back to the TVA so that they can take it down. They all laugh, so Loki leaves on his own, or he tries to. He opens up the top of that damn underground bunker and he's greeted by President Loki and all these other Loki variants. We cut over to Sylvie, who has now arrived in the void. Elias, of course, starts chasing Sylvia as soon as she gets there. So she runs, but she hears a car horn blowing. Bam, 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 bam. Y'all know, like Nene said. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> Why do I tickle myself so much? So she runs, she goes towards it, and it's Mobius. We've forgotten all about his dead ass child. Mobius drives like a bat out of hell to get away from Elias. And this is when we cut over to the mutiny happening in Kid Loki's lair. Everybody is betraying everybody, okay? This scene is actually, like, pretty hilarious with all the constant betrayals and with Alligator Loki biting off President Loki's hand and him screaming like a lunatic, then the big Loki battling and suing, filled with magic and enchantment and foolishness. Classic Loki, Kid Loki, Alligator Loki, and our Loki all managed to escape. Boastful Loki, he was the first one to, uh, to trade on their asses, so he won't be of much help, okay? They agree to help Loki find Sylvie and get close to Elias. We cut back to Sylvie and Mobius and they're talking about how the TVA are the bad guys and what it's meant for their lives so far. But then they decide to turn around and actually go back towards Elias because Sylvie thinks that that's gonna be the answer to all of this, which of course it is. After they witness Elias inhale an entire Navy ship, they hear Mobius' car and Loki and Sylvie are so excited to see each other. Oh, nasty, incesty asses. Y'all was the same person. That is so nasty. You know what? That's like the time traveler's wife. Did y'all watch that on HBO? <laughs> Show just nasty. You remember when uh, Theo James' character went back in the past? He was 16 just so he can slob his own knob because he was like, Look, I wasn't getting on. Somebody got to do it. And I, maybe I can get good at this shit one day. I can do porn or something. He didn't say that, but that was my thought process behind the hell. If you can have somebody to practice on and get good as hell, then this shit, why not do porn? I don't know. OnlyFans. And they say Denise Richards charging $7 for OnlyFans. That's what Erica Jane charging for her Vegas show. So maybe seven is the magic number. I don't know, 777. Maybe we can think of another seven. Hey, a seven, I, I don't know. They talk about how they're going to best Elias. 
Loki obviously wants to kill it, but Sylvie said, you dumbasses, no. She thinks that the real person behind all of this somewhere is going to be behind the void at the end of time, and Elias is just kind of like a guard dog. Uh, Sylvie says that she's going to enchant it, which we got a peek of early. If you like, you got to kind of squint, but you see it a little bit. You kind of see, see the memories, all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know what the hell Elias used to be, but uh, there we go. Back in the TVA, Ravana uh, goes to see Hunter B-15. They argue about who betrayed who, which, see, Ravana still is loyal as hell to the TVA, which is kind of foreshadowing, I feel like, at least, her relationship between her and Kang the Conqueror, like the one that exists in the comics. You know, that's his boo thing in the comics. That was murdered and that thing, murdered, just murdered. Uh, her blind loyalty clearly is that uh, is that's all he wants, and it seems like he'll get it at some point, so we'll see. But then we see Ravana questioning B-15 about Sylvie. B-15 says revenge is her motivating factor, and since the timekeepers aren't real, we'll see uh, she'll be the one who, what is it, like, it's hard to say. She'll be, like, the one that's going after them, and she'll absolutely get there first before anybody else because she has more motivation than anybody this is when Ravana leaves and tells Miss Menace to give her all of the files on the founding of the TVA because whoever created it is most likely in trouble. Back in the void, we see more development about the love between Loki and Sylvie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only mentioning this because we'll see obviously more of it in season two. When it's time for that action, Sylvie relates to her plan. You know, she relays her plan to the group. She's going to enchant Elias long enough for them to get past it and make it to whoever is actually in charge. Kid Loki gives a parting gift to uh, Big Loki. <laughs> big Loki, big dude, uh, a golden dagger. They say by the Mobius, who is headed back to the TVA somehow, child. And now it's just Loki and Sylvia, so it seems. Elias finally appears, and instead of going towards the distraction, Loki, he goes right towards Sylvie. Just when it's about to get in that ass, classic Loki appears and creates an illusion so believable that Elias goes towards it instead. This is when Sylvie and Loki joins hands and they enchant Elias together, but not before Elias swallows classic Loki, child, you know, he did. A hole just so uh, he can live out his glorious purpose or whatever, child. Just as Elias goes towards Sylvie and Loki again, it works. They together have enchanted uh, Elias, and Elias starts to dissipate. This is when we see the Citadel at the end of time. Now we're on the final episode of season one, and it opens with all types of overlapping dialogue over the Marvel title credit. All of, like, you know, the Marvel characters are saying, like, the catchphrases we love. But we even get some historical figures like Nelson Mandela, all kind of people, showing us that everything that makes up, like, the sacred timeline. Sylvie and Loki are now standing before the Citadel at the end of time. Sylvie is, like, mentally hyping herself up for this moment. She's been waiting on it forever. She's probably rapping some sexy red lyrics in her head. Sexy in this bitch. Hoes know what's up. You know I'm done and dean. Cause I don't give a fuck. You know that little, you know that sexy red she hits every time, okay? But just as she's hyping herself up, the door opens. They go in and Miss Menace's little ugly ass gives us a jump scare and tells them that he is impressed that they've made it this far. Him being someone known as he who remains we know that he who remains obviously is a kang variant so not the biggest shock in the world anymore probably but he's probably the nicest of all the kang variants child miss menace tries to offer them a deal where the tva continues to do its vital work and these two get to live the lives that they've always wanted 
Miss Menace is offering Loki the world, basically telling him you can win the Battle of New York, aka the first Avengers movie. You could kill Thanos instead of Thanos killing him. He could be the king of Asgard. She's even telling Sylvie she can wake up and have a lot of a whole lot of just happy, wonderful memories. And her and Loki both, you know, they can be together. They said that they want to write their own destiny, and Miss Menace says, Bitch, please, and just goes ahead and leaves. Now she didn't say that, but close enough, okay? It was implied. Back at the TVA, Miss Menace rejoins Ravana and tells her that she's downloading the files that she needs. It's not what Ravana asked for, but Miss Menace tells her he, speaking about Kang or he who remains or child, whoever you want to say, thinks that this will be more helpful. Back at the Citadel, they're easing through the place. They teeter-totting, teeter-totting, teeter-totting until finally a huge elevator door opens up and it's a man, a black man. A very non-intimidating man. Megan Good's husband, child, okay? It's he who remains. They get in the elevator with him, and they're shocked that he's just a man. Sylvie obviously tries to kill him multiple times, but girl, it's already been written. It That shit don't matter what you're doing. He know exactly what you're going to do, so it's not going to help. He ends up teleporting out of the elevator, and he meets them upstairs. We cut back to the TVA where Mobius pops up on Ravana who just tried to kill him or, you know, had him killed in episode four and sent him to the void. She tries to call one of the hunters to come to the office to eliminate Mobius, but it won't work because Hunter B-15 and Mobius already have a plan to reveal everything to everyone at the TVA. Hunter B-15 is somewhere else on the timeline and reveals to one of the hunters that Ravana is actually a school principal confirming that they're all just variants that are working at the TVA. She truly believes that this is all for a reason and refuses to bend to anything that Mobius is saying. She sets up that temp pad to leave, and Mobius tries to prune her to stop her from going, but uh, Ravana snatches that pruner, and she kicks him down on the floor, and she leaves. I know that's right, Ravana. You better get yours. She said she headed to search for free will, and she bounced, okay? Bounced. Now we're back at the Citadel, and they're convinced that, like, they've won. This is the end game. Sylvie even tries to kill He Who Remains again, but he shows them that he knows all of this and even shows them the printout, kind of similar to how Bruh Bruh did in uh, Loki episode one when he showed them everything. He's like, is this everything that you've ever said in life? He's like, how am I supposed to know that? And then another page prints out that says, how am I supposed to know that? And he had to sign it, kind of like that. They think all of this is like a magic trick. He who remains keeps telling them the truth, how he knows all of the steps, how he's seen everything that they've done so far, but they refuse to believe anything he said. Man, that man said, I paved the road and you basically walked down it. Basically, he said, all these bitches is my sons and I'm going to go and get a bib for them, okay? They banter back and forth a lot. Nothing of importance until he finally starts to tell them like who he really is. How he's been like, he's been called a ruler. He's been called a conqueror. Catch. He's been called he who remains, all this kind of stuff. But the name isn't the important part. The story is, he tells them that eons ago, before the TVA, a variant of himself lived on Earth in the 31st century. He was a scientist who discovered that there were universes stacked on top of his own. At that same exact time, other versions of himself were figuring out the same damn thing. They all made peace with each other, but not every version was so pure of heart. For them, it meant that there were new worlds, you know, new worlds meant new lands to conquer, basically. 
PC erupted, and everybody fought to protect their own reality. Now, this should have been where the timekeepers came in to save the day, like the story that we were told in episode one by Miss Minutes. But no, we finally get the truth. That first variant encountered Elias, who he harnessed and experimented on and used his power, and he weaponized him and ended the multiversal war. Once his timeline was isolated, he just had to like keep the timeline managed and stop branching and all that kind of stuff. Thus, the TVA was born. Most kind of like the scariest thing that he says during this, he tells him that if you think I'm dangerous, wait till you meet my variants. Obviously, he was referring to Kang the Conqueror and the other King Kang variants that we, you know, haven't even met yet. Now that we've seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, we know how powerful Kang the Conqueror is. But he does get defeated in that movie by Ant-Man of all heroes, too. But most likely that was all supposed to happen so that the real threats can be released. Same way like here, Sylvie and Loki killed a variant, too. He got released and now all this other stuff is, you know, unleashing out on the timeline. I think, I think at least my theory is that the Kang that was in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was supposed to die so that the multiversal war can still happen. I think all the pieces are falling into place and it's going to happen. Uh, that post credit scene, both of them actually, made me think that uh, it's all a part of a much bigger scheme and that the one Kang isn't the threat. All of the Kangs are the threat, okay? In that first post credit scene in Ant-Man 3, we see the three most powerful Kangs. We see Ramatut, we see Scarlet Centurion, and we see Amortis, of course. They've all rallied all of the Kang variants, a.k.a. the Council of Kangs. Uh, that, I think, is going to be our real threat. Not he who remains in this Loki episode, not the Kang that was in Ant-Man 3, all of the Kangs, okay? All of the variants. Then that second post credit scene is Victor Tomlin, who is also a Kang variant, and that's a direct scene from Loki 2. But, you know, it seems like over the course of Phase 5 and 6, we'll most likely see many of the Kang variants pop up and pop out. Back to the scene, though. He presents them with two options. This is very important. Option one, you kill Kang and you deal with the infinite amount of devils that come after that. Or option two, Loki and Sylvie can run this entire operation. They've been searching for someone to take over this operation, and now he has two people to take over. So, seems like it's an easy choice, but of course, Sylvia is going to let that be an easy choice. As he's arguing with Sylvie's raggedy ass, Kang's getting a weird feeling, uh, and he says, we just crossed the threshold. Now he doesn't know anything that's going to happen after this, basically. Loki and Sylvie wind up getting into a damn sword fight and arguing about whether or not to kill Kang. Loki is obviously team don't kill him in at least absolute hell on the universe and start a multiversal war. And Sylvia's team, I want my revenge and I want to kill Kang. Loki tries to convince her, but Sylvia ends up using that temp pad and kicking his ass right back to the TVA. Sylvie slides that big ass table out of the way that was between her and Kang and she stabs him right in the heart. Whoop, child, now that's ominous. That man says, See you soon, and dies right there. Ooh, shivers, okay? Jonathan Majors delivered this performance with, I mean, incredibly. Get ready for the world of hurt, Sylvie, because you're about to get your ass whooped, okay? Outside, you can see, like, you know, there's a big mirror behind, not mirror, but uh, a big kind of, like, 
glass stained window right there and you can see out of it and you can see the sacred timeline is branching into a million different timelines at the tva you can see mobius and hunter b15 staring at the screen and seeing all of the timelines that are branching loki runs to find mobius and hunter b15 in the tva but the ones that he finds are variants loki is just rambling on and on about how they found him and how uh, he planned everything and how Sylvie killed him and how countless variants of him are coming. But Mobius interrupts him and he's like, who are you? Are you okay? Are you the new analyst? All this kind of stuff. Child, ain't no telling where on the damn timeline Loki is. I don't know. He in the TVA, but something and broke, obviously. Normally, time doesn't exist in the TVA, but something's happened because they don't remember who he is. Ooh, and on top of all that, on top of all that, the three big statues that were of the timekeepers that we see like literally every episode of the show, they've now changed to one huge statue of Kang the Conqueror, child. I'm ready for Loki season two. I don't know how the first episode is going to be, but I'm into it already. This rewatch has gotten me hype. I'm going to rewatch Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium tomorrow just because. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm excited, okay? I hope y'all excited too. Go watch Gen V if you need a little holdover until Thursday, and then you'll be ready for Friday when we get episode four. So go do all the things, okay? Y'all, I've been Kendrick, and I'll see ya. Oh, wow. You sat through that entire episode? Well, aren't you special? You deserve a treat. Why don't you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave me a five-star rating and review for free. Need to contact me? Email me at realitycomics2 at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and up-to-date information about the podcast at realitycomics2. That's T-O-O. Reality and Comics 2 is a Cloud 10 and iHeartMedia podcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.